Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health, physical health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today, all the way from, what would you, what's the nickname? Down Under. Can you introduce yourself? Yes, well, I am Cindy Casanova from Sydney, Australia. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited too because this is the first podcast I'm recording I've been asked to be part of, so thank you. No, no worries. I mean, we've been, we've had a good gossip before this and um, yeah, it's the first time we've kind of met each other, talking to each other and we had a really good gossip earlier and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk to you. Um, how are things down under? Um, it's funny, people, uh, we've seen news, I mean, I'm not watching the news at the moment, but um, the news kind of seems to say that everything is back to normal here in Sydney yeah. or in Australia in general. So we've been lucky, though, with the, co- the whole COVID, even at its worst, it wasn't as bad as it was in other places around the world. And I think maybe it does have to do with the fact that we're isolated from everywhere um, in comparison to the rest of the world. Yeah. And also, too, we're a big country with a small population when you look at it. Um, I think we've got not 20, 23 million people as a, as a population. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a lot. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. For the big, yeah, so like you say, for the wide service, I've heard that before that in, in Australia, because you've got pockets of places, it's still not, it's still not enough to, to kind of fill the land in terms of there's lots of yeah. mass there and stuff like that. Um, so what's, what's, I always talk about the weather. Um, what's it like at the moment? So we're coming into winter now, so it's starting to get cold. Um, we're hitting, you know, five degrees. It doesn't really get too... I mean, we hit zeros sometimes yeah. here where I live. I live in Sydney. Yeah. I'm in the outskirts of Sydney. So, um, but yeah, we're coming into winter. So we're starting to get the cold nights. We're starting to get the air cons coming on with the warm heating. Um, so that's starting to pick up. But um, yeah, it's beautiful weather. We have beautiful days here. Um, and yeah, at the moment, today was a really nice day. Um, but yeah, the winter will come, obviously, and the cold nights, the long rains, and um, but the beautiful weather has been this weekend. We've been really lucky with that. Yeah, so. yeah that's um, it's it's always it's always funny to hear that because I've had people on from Australia before and they've said, I think I had one someone was it this time last year as well. I had a nice conversation with somebody from Australia and they were talking about winter. I was thinking, and obviously you realise that it's a different time zone and. It's, it's funny, isn't it, the planet, how we, we, we associate the, the planet being looking like that flat, but it's a ball, and it's obviously places where there's a different time zone, and Australia is one of those places. Apparently, from England, it takes like 23 point whatever hours to get there. Yes, yeah, it is quite long. I've got friends of mine that moved here from the UK. They've been here probably about eight years now. Yeah. Um, when they came here, our winters were their summer a lot of the time they were yeah, saying yeah. oh this is a winter this is what we would consider summer this is a beach day the sun's out it's, yeah, it yeah. might have only been 15 degrees but yeah. they're like yep this is winter yeah, this yeah. is a summer day for us. but um the travel is long yeah but i come from my background is uh, i was born here in australia but my background is south american so when we travel back home to visit family our trip is you know i think we've got from here to from here to Auckland, which is about a two and a half hour trip, but then we've got the big stretch across to South America, which is about seventeen hours as well. So when you add that with with the seventeen hours and the New Zealand leg, and then once you get to say Buenos Aires in Argentina, 
you then have to catch another connecting flight to wherever you go. So yeah, yeah. it seems like we're traveling forever to get there as well. Even if you take the most direct flight, it's always going to be a long one too. How, so, how's, how's the, you know, in fact, I'll talk about where you live um, first, Sydney. What's it like there to live? I mean, forget the, I don't say forget it. Well, I'm talking about ignore the fact that you, we've got this pre-COVID. You know, this, right? yeah. pre-COVID. Yeah, we've got pre-COVID. Yeah, what's it like to live there? Well, I haven't lived anywhere else. So, I mean, I've never lived anywhere other than in Sydney, Australia. Right. So, I mean, having grown up here with my parents and everything, we uh, we lived, we were born, our family was quite poor yeah. growing up. Mum and dad were both workers. They both, they migrated for a better life here in Australia, which I believe that we did get, obviously. Yeah. Um, and they were workers, so they worked all the time. Um, and it was struggle, they struggled financially but we never went without so yeah, yeah. Um, living in Australia we always grew up um, being very frugal with our money because mum and dad were always you know very resourceful with the with the money that they had um, growing up was you know one of those things where I never felt I never felt poor but I knew I wasn't as comfortable as other friends of mine were yeah. at the time um, so I had that awareness and um then, you know, becoming an adult and, and growing up, living here in Sydney, it's expensive. It's an expensive place to live. Right. Um, people have to work a lot. I mean, you can. there are people that don't work, but the life and the quality of life that you want to have, which is, you know, being able to go away on a trip. You know, I used to, I, I love travelling, so... Um, you know, I'd been to um, Thailand, I'd been to Bali, I'd been back home to visit family, yeah. um, back in, 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 in South America. And, and I just love, I love that. And in order to do that, you, you've got to work. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, there's no other way. Yeah. Um, you know, rents are high, living close to the city and close to that beautiful, you know, what people mostly, you know, associate with, with Sydney, Australia is that, Harbour Bridge, the Opera House, yeah, that city yeah. that lights up, you know, every New Year's Eve and and, and it's a beautiful place. Um, but to live in the city, which is not, I don't live in the city, I live in the outskirts of Sydney, right, yeah. um, it, it, it is, it's very expensive yeah. and, and it's very, it's not common, it's not very attainable for the average working person working an average job it's not it, it's the possibility isn't there we yeah. were talking about before you know yeah. where you are and and it's everyone's kind of even playing but it's it's not like that um but yeah so you know you've got to work you've got to work there's no other option if what you want is to be able to have the good things in life yeah. and by good things i mean you know the holidays and the the getaways within the country as well nice dinners out you know going to watch a show all that stuff it's it's expensive to do and if you're not working and you're not you know it, the, it's not it's not achievable um, yeah. here in Sydney it's the, probably the most expensive city to live in in Australia as well so right, okay. you know if you go up north to Brisbane uh, to Queensland I should say it's it's a lot easy it's a, it's a lot more affordable so um, and also Adelaide there's a lot of people that are moving to Adelaide now which is again another state very I mean, buying a house in Sydney is really not achievable anymore. Right. Um, so that that new young families and young, it's very hard to get into the market. Um, definitely nowhere near the city if you're a young family and you're not having a very high level job. It's always going to be in the outskirts. Um, but going elsewhere, 
what you get for half the price sometimes. You know, you get the same house as you would here for half the price in another part of, yeah, yeah. of the country. Yeah. yeah. What's it? What's so. what are the people? What's it like? What are Australians like? You know, I can't say Australians in a sense, but what, what's it like? What are the what are the people? Are the, are the people different from the Sydney? The stereotypical Australian. Okay. Yeah. Are, well, are they different in Sydney than in a, in a different parts of this? Or, or would you say that all collectively are kind of similar? Well, the, the underlying Aussie spirit is yeah. what they call it. You know, that you've got the Aussie spirit, which is you know people are always willing to lend a hand that, yeah. that that's a big thing i mean we saw a lot of it when we had the big bushfires in 2019 yeah, yeah. um and the way that people just went you know what i don't know who you are but we people were just showing up to help where they could um people were setting uh, up uh, collection centers in car parks all over the state all over the country really to say look we're, we're just come in we, we need to we need water we need clothes people have lost everything come, and, and people were just um assembling and they were they were getting together and they, it was just this camaraderie and this movement that was really comforting it was like you, no one felt alone there were people that were just you know and i think that 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 australians are, are, are very much like that um i think too when um when was it? I think it was, I, I, I want to say when the 9-11 um, towers happened over in America and yeah. there was a big um, push to have charities to help families get back on their feet and for all the families affected. I think that Australia was actually the biggest contributor to donations from outside of Right. the country and people just I mean Australians like to help I mean we always friendly always up for a chat always you know when we see people and we're like oh where are you from because it's really easy to find someone you know when you're not yeah. from Australia you pick up an accent straight away and yeah. where are you from and and we want to hear about it you want to have that drink at the pub you want to you know that 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 that, that camaraderie that that um that is is a real thing here so people do do that and and, and it's a beautiful thing we're, we're very laid back yeah you know everything's just no worries oh no no worries don't yeah, worry. yeah, yeah. no worries don't worry about it and and that that's that's there's no urgency <laughs> there's no yeah, urgency yeah. um but yeah so that's probably what i would say you know yeah. really just yeah friendly people i mean not everyone obviously but yeah that that's the the aussie spirit yeah i think there was inter- i think well, I mean, I know English people went to America, but in terms of later on, I think the world is kind of introduced to um, Australians through, um, is it Paul? Is his name Paul Hogan? And he was doing Crocodile yes. Dundee and all that sort of stuff and the stereotypical yeah. things. And then, um, and then obviously things like the TV programmes like Sons and Daughters and, and what was it? Time and my mum my mom did, <laughs> my mom did Prisoner Cell Block H and things like that. So <laughs> Yeah, Prisoners. So Home and away. Yeah, yeah, long time. Neighbours. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I was going to say to you as well. How how are things? Because I spoke to someone last year about this. Um, you know, was we'll talking about your, your journey and stuff like that. But in terms of Australia, the, the, uh, Abri- indigenous people, you want to call it Aborigines? What's what's what is happening there? What's happening? What you know? What is their life like? I mean, you know, 
people say there's racism towards them and all that sort of stuff and there's 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 because we i can look at it from this side what's what's actually happening what's you know what, what's your thoughts on that well we we were a colonized country right so we we had people that came over two through 200 and something years ago yeah. and they came and they claimed this land um forgetting that there was already people here you know there was a there were the the indigenous australians uh, are the oldest people on the planet mm. and they were here they, they were there were tribes here there was hundreds and hundreds of them and they all coexisted they all lived harmoniously in in this country obviously there was there would be you know conflict between tribes i'm sure but um yeah when the english came and settled here they took the land and for a long time um you know the aborigin the aborigines uh were first they tried to completely eradicate them um so there was that um you know trying genocide. to genocide is it like genocide pretty much yeah um the the way the english looked at it was you know over time you know let's just try and breed out this this race mm. and at the end of the day um now and 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 going back for a while now there is a big movement of you know the indigenous australians taking back these sacred spaces this country is 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 full of beautiful mystical uh, stories that these aborigines come with and um one in particular at the moment oh well, not so long ago i should say is um airs rock so airs rock the yeah, the rock, rock in the middle of australia in the northern territory airs rock was at one point um formally changed to uluru which is is it's an aboriginal name yeah. it's so now it is uluru so it should always have been we should never have called it airs rock but that's what happened and so airs rock became uluru that went back to being uluru i should say um and and it was a tourist destination because it's a beautiful place it's a magical place yeah it's a very spiritual place it's in the middle of this this beautiful country it is a red center we have got the red center and and it's not just a saying you look at any photo across you know any google image that you want to look at you look at the picture of airs rock and its surrounding it is a red center um and people visit airs rock and they were they were walking across it you could climb it you could walk all over it you know there was tours daily truck buses coming people you know buying tickets there was this big industry built on on getting to airs rock and yeah. and climbing it now you've got the elders who have got they've the elders the the aboriginal elders they hold the, the secrets the stories of the what gets passed on from generation to generation through their people and through their communities and the stories and I'm not familiar with the stories of Ez Rock other than the fact that it has a lot of spiritual meaning for these um communities it, the aboriginal people believe that it is a sacred place so watching people come in and just walk and walk all over it throw rubbish litter disrespect it the way they did you know for many many years they 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 petitioned and they lobbied and and, and they just wanted people to stop climbing the rock 
just, just leave it, let it be. And eventually, and I think last year was 2020, or maybe even 2019, it was uh, no more climbing the rock. So right, yeah. now people, when, when you visit Ayers Rock, you can walk around it so that you can, you can walk all around the rock or you can helicopter yeah, ride yeah. across over the top of it. Yeah. But the beautiful thing is, is that they no longer have to walk all over this rock. And people were very mixed about that. It's like, oh, you know, that's ridiculous. Why can't we do it? You know, they're so precious. And and I remember speaking to someone, um, and I think it was a work colleague of mine, and I was saying, that's their spiritual place. And we haven't been respecting it the way they think we should. It would be the same if someone wanted to go into a beautiful cathedral and host a house, a big party, like a big rave in a, in a cathedral. That's a spiritual place. Mm. People who believe in going there on a Sunday and praying to, to, to God or whatever, they would be mortified if that was, it, was, it became a nightclub, you know, mm. uh, on Saturdays and people could come and it was, you know, it was a really funky place to, to come in. And so when people start realising you don't have to understand it and you don't, but you've got, sorry, you don't have to agree with it, but you've got to understand it because we don't know these stories. We don't know what came with the, with the stories of the Aboriginals and, and the stories of the dream time. You know, we don't learn it here yeah, in yeah. Australia, believe I, it or not. It's learn, not something we learn in schools. So they don't even learn the Aboriginal stories? We don't learn that at school. And it's sad because you sit wow. there going, how, did, how can we not learn this? Like, we don't know so, it. So basically, the land's being taken. This is for the listeners I know about this as well. But yeah, the land's wrap your taken. head around it. I'm here. Yeah, the land's been taken. They, 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 you know, they've been pushed back into society. We're going to eradicate them. But that, but none of that is being taught in. Nothing has been taught about the original people in the schools. Not in the way, no, no. I mean, we, we learn about the settlers. We learn about, you know, Yeah, the you learn about the settlers that came from England and, you know... The, yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, yeah. do, do they even know that the, the, sort of the first settlers were robbers and stuff, people who... who bank- yeah, we know that we so were you convict, know, yeah, the convicts so, came across on the first week. We know all this. So the note, so you know, Again. so you know about convicts, but you don't, that come from a different country that settled there, that now make up the people and lots of the people, but you don't know uh-huh. about the people that were originally there and what they did. Uh, uh, do you know what's interesting about that is, is, is two things. Uh, is two things I'm gonna pick up before we again before we talk about your journey. Is that because I, I think all this relates because you're quite a spiritual person and 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 the, the, there's, when the bushfires happened last year, 2019. I'm thinking last year because it was, and I spoke to the person. Yeah, yeah. It's like 2020 never happened. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I, I'd read that somebody said it was, I don't know who it was, maybe, I don't know, it was a, somebody from the, you know, big in the, in Australia said something like, we should have listened to the Aborigines because the bushfires, because you, you're only supposed to, the Aborigines, what they do is, the, back in the day, you're only, the supposed, yeah, you're, yeah, you're only supposed to burn it a certain time and then yep. control it, whereas they didn't do this time and they didn't listen to them. And it's almost like, but they were there already. They were there already. Shouldn't yeah. they be the ones that you take advice from? And there's a second point to this as well. I've heard that a lot, because of, this is a generational thing. I've heard that the, there's a massive 
there's poverty in the Aboriginal community, plus there's a massive suicide, generational suicide going off in the Aboriginal yep. community because of yep. what's... It's a bit like Ireland. I spoke to someone who's, who, who's, who's Irish and they said that in Ireland, because of the wars that went off years ago with the British, now there's a generational suicide rate. And I think it's something weak. You, you can't comprehend it how I was born here I was born years ago and then if something's happened to my family something's going to happen to my nephew or my son he might commit suicide in 20 years when he didn't exist in that time it's, it's a really strange phenomenon so it's just interesting to know that it's ancestral trauma that yeah, follows it's through a, it's a trauma right it's a trauma you don't have to have been alive yeah, in the true. time yeah when it was happening, when children were being stolen, because there's the the stolen generation, right? So there's there's children that were taken from their mothers, Aboriginal mothers, and they thought, we'll just put them in with families, white families, and eventually we will, you know, it will, it will, it will, I hate to say the word breed out. Like it's really this, this whole thought process of people with having their children taken away from them. You know, it was like they were seen as less than, you know, less than human because yeah. they didn't feel and they didn't think and they didn't feel the way other, the, 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 the white settlers did. So it was like, you know, they're different and automatically they were just different. Mm. And yeah, it's just so sad. And um, what was your first part? You just completely, it was, completely, sorry, it was a part, um, to, do with, it was a part to do with the, the, the forest fires. Oh, the fires, the bushfires, right, yeah. okay. So this is so this is I'm kind of like I have mixed feelings on this and and I do believe we and, and a lot of places um, do have um, original landowners uh, for and, and they and governments and councils consult with them in regards to the the, the bushfires the back burning in the pre season before it gets to be too late. Mm. Um, me coming from also. A point of view that I believe that as a result of global warming our weather patterns have changed so I can go back to when I was a child and I could be you were guaranteed you know people could you could almost to the T be able to say right so between um, April you know May March and, and April uh, or whatever we've got you know it's there's no wind it's not dangerous. We've got like eight weeks where we're going to do all this and that. That used to be something that you could actually bank on being when it, it was it was back burning season. But now we live in a in a, in a time, and I and I and I think that this is what's resulted in the catastrophe that happened back. And this is again, this is my opinion. Yeah. I do think I do think the facts speak for themselves when you do look open minded at it and you say, right, okay. So now we've got less time between a good day with no wind and a windy day. So today it, it was a beautiful day. I could wake up tomorrow and we could have a hailstorm. Yeah, yeah. And then next week we might have winds that are, are not common for this time of year. And so now you're dealing with weather patterns that are not trustworthy. Mm. So you can't go and try and backburn a big part of Australia because we've got so much land out here that needs to be um, attended to that you pick a bad day and, and that wind carries that back burning and it's out of control very quickly. Yeah. So 
I, I sat there going, right, so that you're having less time to carry out that back burning based on our weather patterns. And then when it comes time for it to be very hot, it's too late to do it. Mm. So then you're kind of reacting to the outbreaks. Yeah, yeah. And over time, we had years and years. So we had a lot of dry seasons that built up a lot of this. It's pretty much fuel. You've got that dry, dense ground cover that should have been backburned, but was there enough time to do it in the in the way that it would have been safe? And there's a lot of mixed emotions about that. Yes, we should be listening to the uh, Aborigines and going back to a time where they know what they're doing. They This is their land. They, they've done it for thousands and thousands and thousands of years before any English settler arrived on the shores. But again, we've got this global warming issue that's happening where we're having longer, drier summers, shorter winters, it's almost like spring and, and autumn don't exist sometimes because we're hot and cold and yeah, yeah. everything, you know. And so that caused a lot of it. Yeah. So, but it was very, it was very fitting to point the finger and go, oh, it's the greenies that don't want to backburn, and you know. So there was a lot of finger pointing at then at the back in the background. You go, well, we're not addressing global warming. No. It, it was unprecedented. We'd never seen anything like it. It was. It, it had never happened the way it happened yeah, yeah. in 2019. Yeah. So, you know, we we had smoke from smoke from smoke burning along the east coast was reaching past New Zealand over towards South America. You could follow that. That's not oh, it happens every year and it's normal. That was not normal. Yeah. And you can't deny that. Yeah. So how how would the how would the you know because we're talking about um mental health and stuff like that because we talked about the Aborigines and the you know the suicide rates and all this sort of stuff mm. and how they they would you know because you know you know maybe I'd like to have one of them on actually to, to, to somebody from that background to, to speak to because that would be an interesting thing to talk about how they, they view the world I'd love to I'd love to give you I, I, I can give I, I follow a, a gentleman who um He's he, he's an incredible person. I'll I'll send you his details yeah, anyway, so you can yeah, check him out. Yeah, um, yeah, he might. I, I've never spoken to him. I just I follow him because I'm very interested in his in his um his activism. He's he fights for you know the youth and and a lot of the uh, underprivileged um, Aborigines. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he does really incredible work. And yeah, they 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 do. Um, there are a lot of um, communities in Australia that are very, um, you know, they're very poor. There's a lot of unemployment, high, high alcohol, alcohol abuse, um, yeah, alcohol, and yeah. you know, high suicides. And it's almost like, um, you know, it becomes generational. You know, you've got you've got generations that have been in this situation, and and. Yeah, it just continues to repeat itself. Yeah. But I do think also too. I mean, I think it's it's got to do with the fact that you know this this Australia's you know very much like America in the sense that there is a very big racial issue here. Yeah. We don't speak about it a lot. We know more about the facts and figures of what happens in the United States than we do in our own country, mm. because it's just one of those things that you know it's kind of like swept under the carpet and and not many people speak and then when you do so when you do see people like this gentleman that i do follow on instagram and and i've watched a couple of his documentaries and stuff 
you know, he sits there and he speaks about, you know, things like big corporations going into communities where there is, you know, there are areas in, in, in um, Australia where they, in, in Aboriginal communities that, that are considered dry zones and they call them dry zones because they're no alcohol consumption because they're trying to keep, you know, yeah, yeah. that, that they're trying to help them through this and they're saying, you know, this is a problem in your community. We're going to take that out. You know, we want to make sure that your community is free of all this stuff that comes with alcoholism. And, and so we've got, you know, dry zones and, and then we hear of, and we never, I never heard it on the news at that there was, you know, this big supermarket chain that was wanting to build a big mega alcohol warehouse yeah, within walking yeah, distance, yeah. within walking distance of three dry zones. Yeah, yeah. And you're talking like, why would you want to do that? Yeah. Other than you have an agenda, yeah, the, the, you know? Yeah. And, it ha- and, it's, and it's been happening around, it happens around the world. They have it in... Um, everywhere, everywhere. And, and, I didn't, and I never knew this. And, and when I heard about it, I was like, no, this can't be right. And then like, you start looking at it and you research it. So I, I mean, I'm... We all have a part to play, and, and you don't have to do a big thing. It doesn't. You don't have to get out there with your posters yeah, and your, yeah, yeah. you know. You can simply just. Well, I I just simply called the supermarket chain that was going to do this, and I said, you know, what's your email address? And I wrote a letter and I said, I shop at your grocery store every week. I will no longer be doing that. I am disgusted. Whatever it was that I wrote in the email, you know, whether or not they listened, whether or not they read it, whether they just pressed delete and put it in the junk mail. It was like, I have to say something because if I'm only one voice, but if, if there are thousands upon thousands of people sending that same message, there's power in that. Yeah, yeah. So believe it or not, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but he, I found out through his Instagram page that it was denied now. So it had been approved, pre-approved, but it had been, it's now been denied and it will no longer be happening and it will no longer be going ahead. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's great news, but why the hell did it even get there? Like, yeah. why was that even a proposal? Yeah, well, we we'll know, we'll know why. We we'll know why. Um, yeah, well, and, you know why, right? So it's yeah. like you know, you don't just go, you don't, you don't serve beer at an Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. meeting. Yeah, you don't serve meat. You know, you vegan, don't you know, do that. You don't serve meat in a vegan restaurant. No. <laughs> yeah, let's. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. You know. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the reason why I was going on that is because you know I'd heard about obviously suicide then causes obviously mental health and people struggling to deal with what's actually happening it's just to get your your thoughts and your version of it um um and you know going on that thing as well there was a story of, of um i think i don't know if it's gone now if it's still there but basically in india they set up a they set up a a factory a coca-cola factory and they did it in a village and obviously, to get people to drink, drink the Coca-Cola. But what was happening was the, the water, the, to make Coca-Cola, you obviously have to have used water. And the water that's been pumped, all the, all the chemicals from the Coca-Cola was actually being pumped back into, there's a river. They set it up near a river. So it's all strategic. And we've got to remember all these things are strategic. They set it up near a river. And when they found out that the river was being clogged up and all the drains were being clogged up by all the gunk and all that sort of stuff, that was, and all the rubbish that was coming out of the Coca-Cola factory. And it's been, it's caused a massive um, problem because what you're doing is you're getting these people to drink Coke, which is not good for you anyway, but then all the rubbish that you're cleaning. So it's causing massive pollution problems in the air and also in the river. So that's, again, we know why we do the, why, the, why they do these things. 
Um, so yeah, so just to talk about your journey, I mean, we, you know, we talked for a while now, and I keep saying, oh, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get there in the end. Um, how do you see? Just how do you in in, in a, just to talk about the, the the mental health and stuff? How do you see this the, the mental health? And is there, is there is there a lot being done about it? Because the reason why I brought up the thing to do with the um, the bushfires as well is because that would be a strain as well. That would be a strain on people's mental health and, and you know, has, is there a lot being done to help people struggling? In, in... We, yeah, we, in Australia, we're very lucky that we have a lot of resources out there. Um, you know, we have a lot of um, resources that we can reach out, um, it, it, starting from kids. So there's, there's, a, there's an organisation that I know called Headspace. Yeah. And it's targeted for young children, you know, and it helps them coping mechanisms, anxieties, troubles as ch- teenagers and, 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 and primary school children, we, we're very fortunate in Australia we do have that. Um, my, I'm just going to go back and talk about myself yeah, for a little yeah. while because I, I, have, I have been, uh, um, you know, I have suffered from mental illness. I have suffered from crippling anxiety and panic attacks and things like that in my life. And um, having gone through all that and then, you know, the stigma that's that, that that's attached to it with some people. I never really. I've always been very outspoken. I've always I've always tried to say, there's mental health. Just like a doctor that you go see a doctor when you've got a health issue that you know a doctor can. You, mental health should be just. You know I've got to go to the doctor because I've found this you know lump in my back. Or people are happy to say that. But, but people are just almost embarrassed and humiliated when they've got to say, oh, I've got, I can't make it because I've got a psychologist appointment on, on that day or whatever, whatever. And people have this, you know, they hide behind these curtains of shame and guilt and feeling inadequate because they've got a mental health issue that they're having a psychologist or someone help them through. Um, I've never done that. So I've, I've always been the type of person who... I'm at work and I'll say, oh, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm working from home tomorrow because I've got a psychologist appointment. And I say it. And people, oh, do you see a psychologist? Yeah, I suffer from anxiety and, and I suffer from um, panic attacks and, and I see a psychologist and, and it's been great. And I, I, just like you go and get a facial, just like you go and get a massage, I think people should have a psychologist that they speak to and, 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 and work through their problems with because problems shared are so easy to fix sometimes because you don't your point of view where you're in a in a clouded state and you're not thinking clearly becomes so big and and suicide and and when you hear about people committing suicide and they they leave letters going you know it's just so hard it's so hard had you spoken about it to someone you to have that insight from someone that is not judgmental and, and can help you through it you know so many people could be helped and and yeah, so here in Australia, lucky we've got a lot of um, yeah, yeah. we've got a lot of um, attention on that, you know, yeah. in 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 the sense that we're very lucky in that in that space. Yeah. But yeah, what was your what was your life like? Because we're going to talk about you said you, your struggles and 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 you're obviously a very a person that really wants to get it out there and, and speak about mm. um, mental health. What what was life like for you growing up? Okay, so I came, so mum and dad moved to Australia on their own in, in the 70s and to move for, for a better life once they got married. So 
Mum and dad come from South America. Mum's got a big family, 13 brothers and sisters. So she left all that behind. Dad and her moved here. Dad yeah. had one brother, so not a big family on his side, but we were a big family all together. Um, so we grew up, my sister and I, with mum and dad. Um, they, We didn't have any cousins here. We didn't have any aunties or uncles, so it was always just the four of us. And then family, friends, who we grew up like family. Mum yeah. and dad... We never ever felt fear. We never ever felt uncertainty in this. And I speak for myself and my sister, but I'm speaking from my point of view at the moment. Mum um, and dad, we had a safe house. Mum and dad would argue, but it was never, you know, and never a, a fear of, oh my gosh, you know, we're in a dangerous situation. Yeah. It was just bickering back and forth. And but, but you know, we had a, we had a. I look back on it fondly. We had a really, really, you know normal functioning family and um but mum and dad over time you know mum worked nights dad worked days dad was kind of like the the pick us up from school and take us home mum was a nurse working at night um so they kind of had to work that way because there was no family to help with you know babysitting or whatever it was so they were always you know working that way anyway when we when when we got older mum and dad separated but it was i became a very young mum. I had my daughter at when I was 18. So I um, moved out of home when I was 18. Um, my daughter's father and I, we were both young. We were both 18. He was actually six months younger than I was. So um, he got into a trade and was working to become a carpenter. And we just had to make this thing work. It was like, you know, not I was clueless. So like I look back and I think, oh my gosh, how did I do that at 18? I don't understand raising yeah. this baby. And so then I entered that world of being a mother at 18. And um, yeah, so my mum and dad were still married when I left home. But by the time my sister left, but turned 18, mum and dad decided to separate. So that was it. My dad said, I've raised the kids. We've, we've raised you and we're going to separate. Um, and they went their separate ways. Um, so that was that. We weren't... We weren't damaged. I wouldn't say we were damaged because dad and mum separated because I think I was already I was already out of house with my own family. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, So that was that. Um, But then, you know, with growing up, being 18, having a baby, having a partner, we never got married, so we were just partnered. And he, um, he was young as well. And I look back on it and I think it was a very volatile relationship. He was very... He was very um, controlling, but but we were both kids. Like I look back on it now, as a forty-four year old, going, we were just children, mm. and he was he was only doing what he had from where he was raised and from yeah, coming yeah. from where he came from, which was a very volatile background in what he saw and how he saw family unity working, yeah. and that he brought that he brought that into our into our life. Um, but yeah, so so I had my daughter. At, 18. I was going to say, um, to, sorry to, sorry to say, you know, during that time, during that that relationship, the volatile relationship, did you have anybody to turn to or go to? You said your parents um, were, were nice. Yeah, yeah, parents. we had friends. Yeah, yeah, I had friends who we would talk, I would talk to about, but it was more, I was more, uh, I was more in a fear-based um, situation where I was always in, in, in fear. I didn't want to upset him. I didn't want, you know, so I was, it was always a fear, yeah. controlling fear. It was, it was a very much that dynamic of, you know, the controller and the yeah, yeah. 
the the person who was always being controlled. So, and 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 again, being eighteen, not knowing, and I was always scared to tell my parents about it because we say. never we never we never came from that. Yeah, that's what, that's that's the reason why I was going with that. You see, because you've got no one else around you. It's not that you can go to a grandma or no. or grandfather or somebody else to kind of converse with you. You've just got your mum and dad, and you know they're on night shift, on day shift, or whatever it is. And then you know, or, or th- but then then it's just left to you, you and your partner, and you've got no one to talk to apart from your friends, um, and so. It was a kind of how did you how did you cope with through that through that um, volatility? Was it because you knew that you're a child, or did the child come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of um, I kind of I kind of took on the role of being suppressed and yeah, almost... doing coming from a fear and just do anything you can to not have someone react yeah. so it was like walking on eggshells. i was putting right at 24 7 right yeah. so that was it and, and i would talk to my friends about it and they knew again i never kept i was i'm not one to keep quiet i would tell them they would know the situations i was in yeah. but i always had that i always had that support to listen to but I was just too scared to leave. I was just too scared to, you know, because I just, in my mind, looking back on it now, I made it bigger than it actually would have been had I said something at that point. Yeah, yeah. If I could go back now with this knowledge, I would, it would be a different yeah. story, right? So, and again, you know, being clueless and, and not wanting to tell my family because I didn't want my mum and dad to worry about the situation that I was in. I was always, you know, my sister knew, but my sister would not say anything. It was just really weird. I look back on it now, I don't know why. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just not knowing. We were all young. We were all young. And I thought that's, I, I'm now I'm now with a baby. He's the father. He works. I don't, you know, he is in control. I've just got to hand it over. And, and, then, and then still having a very fiery side inside me, I, I would make, situations escalate sometimes because sometimes I just wouldn't be quiet and then I would you know so it became this very volatile um thing and but my daughter you know always thinking just don't 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 set him off don't have an argument because I didn't want her to grow in this situation where there was a lot of fighting all the time um so she I was so she was two when I found out I was pregnant again for the second time my son um and so then I had my son so my son and my daughter same father um yeah and and it just it got worse it got worse and I just it just got worse as we got older and um eventually and I don't want eventually we um separated when my daughter was nine and my son was six so I was we were together for 11 years and um, a lot, a lot happened. Uh, he, yeah, a lot happened in eleven years. But eventually, I got out. So yeah. it, it got to the point where I thought, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm out. You know, how did, how whatever did you, thread. How did you pluck up the courage to? Because it is courage. Because if you're going through mm. a long-time relationship, um, and you and you, you feel like you can't say anything. You're walking on eggshells. It's and there's a worry on your mind. You've got your, you've got your children. You don't want them after time. You don't want them to be growing up with this. 
you 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 almost you almost go through um, a chain of events and chain of events and chain of events and it just keeps repeating the same cycle. What happened when you what what happened when you decide what made you decide to get out? I know I know what made you decide, but at that moment in time, what did you, you know? Was it was it you plucking up courage over a certain amount of weeks, or was it just one moment? You it actually said, wasn't. It actually wasn't courage as much as it was. I'm, I'd rather die than keep living like this. Mm. So that 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 thought process going, this is not a way to live. Mm. I'm just going to go. Like, and, and if 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 me going makes him do something, so be it. I'm 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 out now. I'm not. I can't do this anymore. That that's where it came from, more so than anything else. It wasn't so much. Uh, I'm strong now, and you can't tell me what to do when I'm out of here. It was like I don't. I'd rather not live another day like this. Yeah, so so I'm either going to. That's what I mean by courage. You put up that courage to say, you know what, this is enough. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Well, the day that it, the day that it all went down, and it's crazy. The day that it all went down. It, it, it was more so an altercation that became physical that I was like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and that's that's and and, and 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 I was given the escape, the escape route to go. Yeah. So I so I left. Yeah. But then it was the whole. I'd rather. I'm not going back. I can't. I can't go back. And I and I and I made that decision in my head that I was not going to go back at any cost. And 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 I never did. So I look back to that day, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago it was now. It's about 15 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Out, gone, no. Whatever happens next, I'll deal with, but I don't want to. Yeah, and I did that. So we did. It wasn't easy in the beginning. I was going to say to you as well, because sometimes these relationships can start out with the verbals. And when somebody then starts to lay the finger on you, that's the time where some people will go. And decide, you know what? Because, and probably because it went on for so long, and then it it, it culminated with the um, with the physical. You were able to say, you know what? This is enough. Whereas for some people, the the physicality can start a lot earlier. It can start after two weeks or a year, and then the the, the putting up with it for years and years and years. And you know, when I've spoken to people, they've said, oh. Um, quite often it's not even the physical that because I get used to the physical it's the actual verbals the name calling that that actually affects them and damages them more than the actual physical um, which well is- that's what I think yeah I think so too and I think and, and when I look back on it and I say you know I, I, I would say things like I'm not allowed I'm not allowed to go to the movies with my friends yeah. I'm not allowed I'm not I'd have to ask for permission to yeah. do things and at the time, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with what I was doing because it had been slowly and gradually done in a way where I knew that I had to ask for permission or I was, you know, I, a couple of me and, a, and one of my girlfriends, we, we t- talk about a time when she said, she'd come over and she said to me, come on, let's go to the movie, do you want to go to the movies? This movie is showing at the local cinema. It starts at midday, and I have my partner. So I'm, no, you're not going. You're not allowed to go. Mm. And so I actually said, "Oh, sorry, I can't come. I'm not allowed." Like, yeah, my mind blows at that now. But yeah. back in the back then, no, I I, I wasn't allowed, and I yeah. just wasn't allowed. And when I went to the shop, then I did the groceries. I, you know, 
why was I gone so long? How long did you go? Who did you speak to? What did you do? But Control, yeah. I was answering Control, these questions without realizing that that's not normal yeah. and that's not right. And again, he was coming from a place where he was mimicking the roles that he saw in his life. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, so it's, you know, and now, and then when I, and, then, and it was very, that's where my anxiety started. Yeah, no. Right, so I, say that. That's probably where it started. He's coming home. I, home time would start coming and all this anxiety, you know, and then I wasn't breathing and then I was panicking yeah. and I would panic about anything and everything because I was already anticipating. Yeah, you're dreading him coming in. Yeah. You're dreading the fireworks and things happening and, yeah. and um, you know, what's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? When's it going to kick off? Do I, you know, mm. have I made his dinner right? You know, <laughs> just all these Oh, things. yeah. Oh, everything, everything. Oh, you know, have I cooked it right this time? Did I, it, like the thoughts that, and after we separated, I was still for like nearly a year after living in a way like, oh, I'm, I'm not allowed to do that. Or, you know, I had to relearn to do stuff. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of, you know, it was just the journey. And, and I was young at the time. Too, I can't even remember how old I would have been. Yeah, so 27, 27, I think I was, about 26 26 or 27. Yeah, Yeah, and it was just like, yeah, it was really, really, it's crazy to look back and go, right, so I got out and that was great, you know, and then I started a new life and the kids, the kids, you know, my kids had seen him, their father angry and all that and it was, I thought to myself, I don't want it to get to the point where my kids think it's normal to do this because my son, my son was going to grow up and be a man one day and, and be what, you know, and I didn't want that to happen. And I didn't want my daughter to do and think that this was going to be okay to do. So I had both of them to, to go, yeah, right, yeah. I don't want my daughter to go, oh, mum did it, so, yeah, I'm doing it too. Yeah, you, and, didn't, you, or, didn't you, know, want, you didn't want to carry on mm. the pattern, the gener- like you call it, the tra- generational trauma he's had. Yeah. And then he's going to instill that onto his son and his daughter you know and 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 they, they might then take it to their next their relationships and then it just carries on and carries on and you're yes. trying to break yeah. that you're trying to break that and break it and and, and for me and from me and, and in my family it was i was the first person experiencing that because yeah. mum and dad never had that I, I we never saw any of that violence or any of that control or it, nothing like we, it was i was it was a it was foreign to me so the fact that I was, it was me and I'm like, well, that's not going to go beyond. And then coming from a Latin background where we've got, you know, majority women and they're all fiery and they're all strong and we're all, you know, we're all resourceful and we're all, yeah, really strong women. And here I was going, I am not that anymore. I am a shell of what that is. My mum raised us to be strong and powerful and I had become the complete opposite and I thought, no, I can't do this. So... Yeah, so that ended, and um, and then I spent, um, I think, about six years um, on a journey of becoming me again. So, I, you know, having spent from, you know, I met him when I was 16 and left when I was 27. So I was having to become Cindy again, and that was six, and it was great time. It was beautiful, you know. Yeah. The kids and I would do things like jump in the car and, you know, things that I 
never was able to do, you know, go to the beach when I felt like it and, you know, take them away on holidays. And so I was just enjoying all of that. You know, it was a beautiful time. It's gorgeous and the kids were loving it. And But they still had that visitation with their father. And so they were always, um, my son, more than anything else, was coming back um, triggered and, and there was frustrations there. So, mm. he, you know, he dealt with that by being disruptive at school and you know so then he became um non not could like he would not he was very defiant at school and it was quickly um what what it what, was quickly what was causing that was it was it because first i was going to ask you how was how was how was he how was the father's you know the the, the kid's dad mm. how was he after you went you know was he begging you for to come back or what what yeah he did he did um he did that very um very early on i think it was a couple of weeks after and i said no and then you know it was relentless coming back and his 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 parents got in on it and said you know you've got to go back you can't take the kids from their father and and I said, I'm, it's, I'm not going back. And, and the minute I, the minute it became apparent that I wasn't going back, it, it became, you know, you're, you're the worst. Yeah, you've ruined the family. You've yeah, taken the kids from their yeah. father. It's you, you, you. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I could see, I could see that that's where they were coming. Especially, you know, his mother I and mean, his father's now passed away. And, you know, may he rest in peace now. But his mother... It was almost like she was an abused person. And knowing that I was in a similar situation, she almost had that bonding experience with me mm. because she knew what her son was like. And so it's like that bonding. And then when I no longer going back there, she's now on her own again. And it was kind of like, I think, I'm, I mean, I yeah, haven't yeah, spoken yeah. to her ever since. I haven't spoken to them since about it. But um, yeah, so that's what I think. And, you know, I... I got out, she didn't get out or whatever it was, yeah, you know, yeah. there was a lot of anger there. Um, so he did for a while try um, to tell me to come back and that. And then eventually he met someone else, which was great for me. <laughs> it was like, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, the shiny bright light somewhere yeah, else, yeah. off you go. And and that was good and it was great. And and um and I never I never wanted him to not be happy and it's weird because you sit I sit back and I think I still always look back on it as in he came from a place where he grew up knowing nothing more than that and then how do you hate how do you uh resent someone for that I mean I know you I get to a point where you think well you're an adult and you make your own choices as well though right so yeah I see that part I see that part as well so yeah so when he met someone else I was very happy for him um they ended up getting engaged and all that kind of stuff so um, and then that ended shortly after the marriage started and, and, you know, for whatever reason that I had nothing to do, I don't know any about anything about it, but then he met someone else who he's still with till today. So yeah. they're happy. I mean, I, I just, I don't have anything to do with them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my children are now 25 and 22. So they, they're, they don't, I don't think they have a relationship with him at all either. You know, oh, they really? don't. Um, and that's the choice why, that they've why, gone why through. Why? why? Why, what, why don't they have that relationship with him? Was it because 
let's in fact let's just go back to where you said your son was caught you know he, he was in school and he was his misbehavior mm. do you think that was caused by when he used to visit him and he used to would, would he say things or would it just be that the fact that he split up what, what do you think was it that affected no no I, I, it, it wasn't because we split up I, I think the fact that my son reacted in that way was was pretty much I can't tell my dad how I feel about him so I'm just going to take that anger yeah. and run with it where I can yeah. Yeah. and school is where you can because he wasn't going to get away with it at home mm. so school is where he went and retaliated and, mm. and had a lot of anger and you know disruptive he was disruptive in class he was always doing things that were very disruptive and that's what I put it down to he couldn't say what he wanted to yeah because, because so then therefore, yeah because boys as we, as we know boys and men we we have less in our vocabulary even at a, at a young age by girls girls and this again you know people can debunk it or whatever but the bottom line is um men males we we keep a lot in so we we to defend ourselves it's physical we don't we don't defend ourselves verbally whereas a whereas a female has to have that because i'm not saying that woman can't fight but she has to have a certain amount of language to be able to defend herself verbally and not physically she has to be able to fend herself off from a from a somebody who's going to pursue her that she might not like um yeah. you know a boyfriend a man or whatever is going to come to her and she has to whereas a man doesn't have to <laughs> a man's not going to do that because if a woman comes to him he's not going to he's going to have a few words anyway he's not going to hit her in a sense in that sense he's just going to say no or he might not even say no you know it might be oh it might take on the interest it's to do with it's to do with the mating thing the mating the mating game and as you grow up the woman has and also um with babies um you're you're the life giver so a woman has to have a speech to be able to speak to the baby constantly all the time whereas yeah um, you know a man's not going to get pregnant dare i say it <laughs> gosh you hear a story now as a, a pre- man was pregnant by yeah. um but but you know what i mean it, it's it's that thing into it that science says you know and natural order of things is that we men we don't say anything so the boys will take out because they can't speak or they don't want to speak they'll take out their actions in a different way and it'd be disruptive behaviour. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what it was. And then um, eventually he became a teenager, went into high school, was getting suspended all the time, yeah. all the time. I was like on speed dial at the high school. They said, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, thrown a chair or he's whatever it was, he's, he's locked someone in a cupboard or he... You know, what it, it was always something outrageous and ridiculous. And then eventually, he we just got him out of school, and he took on a trade and has become a very hardworking person. And now at 22, he's a fully qualified carpenter, and he is, you know, he's a great person, and he's got a heart of gold. And you know, and he's just chosen not to have a relationship with his father anymore. Yeah. And um. Will they ever do? Will they ever have one? I don't know. And I've said to you know my son, you know that's going to be your decision. But you know he, he, he will. He will. I think he will. I think. Um, I think he's still. Even if he might not be saying it, or thinking it, I think he's still got 
Well, he's a he's a he's attempted. I think he's attempted to speak to his father a couple of times, but his father is non-responsive. In so he's still coming from like it's like his father's still coming from the same place. So he, my son just is like I doesn't want it. Yeah, doesn't no, want to do it no, anymore. At some point, so it's kind of yeah. At some point, the, the father is going to sing it. He's he will regret that decision. I'm saying that now. He will regret that decision because that's his kids, and. Whether it's too late or whether it's on his deathbed or wherever it may be, you know, it's going to come to a point where he needs to... And maybe he even his girlfriend might, or whoever she is, might even talk to him about it. But he, at some point, they're, they're going to end up... Because there's going to be... If, if, if not, it's just going to be left unresolved and there's going to be questions in both parties' minds. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. That's what's going to happen. It's going to, either going to come together or it's going to get too late where there's going to be regrets and that's what's going to happen in the future and I think yeah. I think, I think um, it's important as you as a mum particularly with you know, the, the daughter as well I mean the daughter you know women tend to be quite strong anyway and they, they deal with things in a certain way um, that's not to say that everything but with the boys it does happen where they they they, they shut up shop until until the other person comes back, yeah, you apologise. No, you apologise. Yeah, um, so, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too, there's a lot of narcissistic, I mean, traits that sometimes they will never change, and therefore it is what it is, and yeah. you've got to cut your ties, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. There's no other way. Yeah, no. You can't get through to someone like that sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I said to them, I'm always supporting my children and whatever they choose to do. If they did. Rekindle it, but whether it happens or not is I don't know, and I'm not I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna anticipate it because I don't know. And at this at this point in time, I don't think so. But who knows? Yeah. You know, how, like how's sometimes how's your anxiety sorry. been, and how's you know how are you able to get? Yes, you're able to go on. Um, I mean, have you ever you know have you ever have you still are you still got anxiety now? Is it you know what's happened since? So, okay, so that was that. And then and then um, I started seeing a psychologist um, once I had moved out and once I was on my own um, and I was realising that I was having reactions to things, but I couldn't understand them. I, I knew what was happening when I was with him, but not after when, I, when everything was fine. Yeah. Um, but going through the motions and understanding, you know, in in my 30s that what I actually had because I used to I used to do a lot of hyperventilation I'd be I'd be doing something and all of a sudden I'd be you know and mm. for no reason people would be like oh my god are you okay and I'd be like oh you know I don't know why yeah yeah but I do this um and my psychologist was like you know you've got post-traumatic stress it that's what you have you are suffering from this and 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 this is something that is as a result of 11 years of being you know living in a way that is um yeah this is what happened so I slowly started working through that um and and life is really good life is great and um then I met somebody um so I was about six years after my son was 12 so yeah six years after I separated because my son was six when I left his father so six years later I meet the man of my dreams oh my gosh I fell in love with someone like in a heartbeat. I met someone, had no intentions of ever, I was happily single, 
and I did not want to meet anybody and I was living a beautiful life and had no intention. I dated a couple of people in between in those six years, but this one particular day I go out and I meet this person and it was at the least time I expected. I wasn't even meant to be out that day and, you know, the universe had it so that I met this person and I within two weeks I was in love with him I was I would have he could have asked me to marry him straight away and I would have said yes it wasn't, it and wasn't I was Brad never going to get it? married it wasn't Brad Pitt was uh, what it? was that it wasn't Brad Pitt was no <laughs> better than Brad Pitt yeah no he um <coughs> yeah and it was just like um he was yeah he was just great anyway so we started dating and and shortly after shortly after we uh, started dating he had moved in and he had a six-year-old daughter and so he had a six-year-old daughter my son was six and my daughter was 15 and we automatically became a blended family and and life was great and things were beautiful and I was just yeah it was it was like a relationship I'd never had before and so we were together for a long long time um we were together for six years before we got married yeah and yeah and then married for almost two years before I separate before we separated and the the hardest thing about that was that he had demons that he had never dealt with right and they were substance abuse issues that I never knew about now I grew up in the 90s I was a 90s child I smoked marijuana I loved marijuana I loved Bob Marley I was I was I was the marijuana girl but I'd never I'd never done anything else yeah. I've never tried cocaine I've never I've never done anything else I, I did I don't know drugs at all and what's your favorite Bob Marley so song was, what's your favorite Bob Marley song my gosh Give me one. I don't know. I love the Redemption song. I love Is This Love. I love all of them. Yeah, There's yeah. really not many that I don't love. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, he's, yeah, he's beautiful. And not just him as a reggae as a whole. Yeah. You know, I used to, I used to uh, listen to all, just reggae, just Google, YouTube, reggae, play whatever you want to play. It was just that mood. It was yeah. just that. Chilled out. Anyway. Yeah. So, and I was, I was a big, big, uh, not believe him. I was a big lover of marijuana. I used to love smoking marijuana. I, I'd, I'd never do it when I had my children with me, but I would do it on a weekend when they yeah, were with yeah. their father or whatever. At high school, my gosh, I think I've forgotten half of what happened in high school because I smoked so much marijuana. <laughs> but then when I when I met my now ex husband, he he was involved in other drugs that I never knew anything about. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know he was using drugs. I was clueless. How do I know if someone's on cocaine? I would have a clue. Yeah. So he was a jittery person. He was a, a nervous person. He was a constantly moving person. And I thought that was just because he was like that. And it wasn't, you know. And over time, I tried to help him when I finally realised that that was an issue. And I said, you know, do you need help? Can we go to see someone? How, how did you, I, I was sorry to cut you, but how did you find out then? And, and how did you react? When you, when you oh, gosh. The first time I found out, I found, um, I found like a pipe of some, a glass pipe of yeah, some yeah. kind, and I was just mortified because all I know is that in Hollywood movies, when they go into an abandoned house 
and there are people sleeping on mattresses. They've got this pipe in their hand. And I'm there going, oh my God, what is this? And I confronted him about it and he made some kind of, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Because I I had always said no drugs. So by the time I met him and, 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 I, and I had made it very clear I, I, I don't support drugs, I had, had to make the choice to not smoke marijuana anymore because I couldn't be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't be a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. So when I met him, I said I don't like party animals. I don't like people that pop pills and go to raves and do drugs and do you do them? And, and he was like, oh, I have done them in the past, but no. I said, right, well, I don't tolerate it. It's not part of something I want to be involved in. And I had to stop smoking marijuana, and I did, and I, and then that was that. And but then I come to find out, I found that pipe, and then I found satchels of stuff, of powder, of stuff. Oh, and 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 when I say over time, over the course of you know eight years, I had found at different points, you know, seven, six or seven times. And it got to the point, and, and the funny thing is, is that we went to, he, he promised he would go to counselling and he promised he would get help and I would believe him and I, I was so invested. I'm like, this is, I just, this has to work because he was perfect in every yeah. other way. And um, yeah, but I just think it got to the, and then we decided to get married at a time when everything seemed to be working out really well. And um, I had believed that it was no longer a problem. And, um, but it was, and I found out after, shortly after, just before our first year anniversary, I had found out that he was still using. And I was mortified because I just couldn't believe that I was back there again. And um, and at that point, I was also humiliated that I had married someone that I, that, that I, I just couldn't believe that yeah. I had been so silly not, not to see it, you know. And then um, gave him another, gave him, another, gave him the last chance and then... Um, Everything was perfect again until just before our second anniversary. I came home one day and it was a perfect day. And I, it was just really weird because, like, I say to people, I, I had to make the decision to leave my husband at a point when I couldn't have been more in love with him because it was just, he was so, things were so well. It had been oh, a year since we had a pickup and he was going to therapy and we were working through the problems and he had promised that he would you know, communications were open. I was checking in on him all the time and, we were, you know, but I just think that he was in a position where he always knew what to say. And, and when you look at an addict, they do what they need to do in order to get what they need to get. And and it doesn't matter who you are. You could be their mother, their grandmother, their wife, yeah, yeah. anyone. They're just going to do what they need to do to get what they need to get. And I had to realise at almost eight years together and nearly two years married, I said to myself, this is still going to be the same in 10 years' time. Mm. And I was like, do I do that or do I leave? And I left. And and it's still sad. It's really weird because it's three years almost. When It will, it will be three years in um, this July. It will be three years. Yeah. And, it's, and it's still sad. And I'm sitting here going, it's crazy. Like, but it's the best decision I made because at the end of the day, I look back on it now and I say, I didn't lose my stepdaughter because she's still mine. She yeah. still comes over. She has a room in my house. He just wasn't right. And he's, I don't know, he's still not right. Like, it's just, I, I made the right decision. Yeah, yeah. 
I had to grow. He didn't want to come along, and unfortunately, unfortunately, I was going to say also as well that there's another situation there as well that he. Yeah, I don't know if you look at it this way as well, is that he he was almost telling a he was almost living a lie in a sense, or you were living. Well, he he was, he was, yeah, it, it is, it, it is a lie, and he it was a lie, and he was never who I thought he was. Yeah, he 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 made that persona, and I fell in love with that persona because I know at the end of the day, who he really was was someone who had a problem, who he. He, he didn't want to fix it and that's fine that was his prerogative he's chosen not to but I just had to make the decision not to be a part of it because I wasn't going to do that everything else was great I could do what I wanted he believed in me he supported me He, but he did all that because at the end of the day he was able to do what he wanted to yeah, yeah. you know at the same time yeah. so leaving was the, the right decision it was the hardest decision it's been three years I haven't gone on a date yet but I've had three years of a spiritual journey, which has been where I have unfolded into all these different areas that I would never have gone down, you know, discovering who I am, discovering meditation, discovering authenticity, discovering, you know, forgiveness, because I have forgiven him. But, you know, I've just, I've, all of that has happened. And it's been the most amazing three years. But at the same time, a heartache because it's just one of those things that you don't choose to do that. I was, I never wanted to get married before I met him. I, you know, I, we, we did, we got married, which was beautiful. But then at the same time, you've got to go, but that's not enough. Love is, you can love someone all you want, but if they're not going to do what they need to do for their family, because at the end of the day, we had a family it's it I had to go I've got to be that strong person and just go so I did and everything that's happened since has been beautiful Mm. but painful so I still like like I'm getting emotional which is really weird because it's still there yeah yeah you still the bottom line is that you still love him and there's still a love there but it's almost like I can't love him because there's when I say when I say a lie, I don't mean he he lied to you. Yes, he did, but he, it's almost like he's living a lie because when you think, mm. when you think about it as well, at what situation, what point? I'm wondering if if there's there have been times where you where you looked and sort of look back on it, and you think at what point did he take that? And you know, was it was it when we was he was he taking it? You know, we we. You know, was we in the throes of passion, and he took it before we were in the throes of passion to to cover that up. You know, did he cover it up because of this, or you know, what? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you go through all those questions, and you know, we've got children. Were you ever driving? Were you ever? Yes. Did, were we danger. ever at risk? Like it's just all of it, right? Yeah. So that 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 happens, and and um, so yeah. So I know my decision was right. I know I never ever regret my decision. I. I, I think it's sad that 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 drugs do, does that to a person yeah. because that's where the sad part is because it becomes the mistress. Let's yeah. just say you know yeah. it oh, becomes yeah. that dirty little secret that yeah. you keep and you know it's just yeah. the betrayal everything you know. So yeah, that was that. And then so I, I got on with life, which was good, and and 
you know, again, still in therapy because now we've got this yeah. to deal with. Yeah. Um, my anxiety starts coming back because now I'm, you know, everything was a lie. Oh my gosh, all these past traumas come back. Um, so it's almost like you've gone through two relationships, two serious relationships. Well, I don't, no, I'm not going to say that because... I don't like that word serious relationship. A relationship is a relationship, whether it's, you know, yeah. I don't know where people say serious. You went through two relationships that, were, that you were, you were, you loved the person, but you, both times you left and both times were for, 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 re, for reasons of, of a lie in a sense, or uh, um, I love this person, but this person, did this person really love me? Or, and, and you ask these questions, you know, what, you know, one's more, it's totally different in terms of relationship, but in terms of um, what you go through, it then brings you up your anxiety both times. Um, and mm-hmm. like you said, that you don't even look at those things, like the dangers, the dangers, what it could have been, what he could have put you through or, you know, the situations. And, and if he didn't want to, if he didn't want to give that up, that's even more reason for you not to, that's even more reason, more reason for you to leave. Yeah. And plus, exactly. Hang on one second. My phone's done something funny now. There we are. Yeah. And plus, yeah. And plus as well. Exactly. And plus as well. Again, it goes back to that thing of not having um, family, somebody that you could yes. talk to, to talk to, cope. Yes. You cope. You just got this therapy. You yeah. got a therapist. You got you got a therapist there, but who else is there can I can talk turn to to cope with? Mm. And then having to tell my parents that he had a substance issue and that. Yeah, it was just another disappointment and I was so sad to have to tell them because we were, they were so happy. He was, he was perfect, right? So that, that sadness of, you know, is it, there's no fixing it. And I said, well, we've tried over the years and I never said anything over the years because I was always desperate to have that fixed. But then when it got to the last time, and I said, no, there is no fixing because we've been trying for years and it's never, ever, ever going to be something that gets fixed. So, yeah, so that was sad. Did, um, you, ever, did you ever blame yourself, by the way? Did you ever think, to, did there, was no. there any points where you thought to yourself, um, you know, was it me? Was it no. the kids? Or is it just, no. this is just what you've gone through and no. this is what you're still going through now? No, I never thought, was it me? I just thought, um, I, I did always, I did, and, I, and I did say this to him. I said, you know, why, wasn't I enough? That's like, what I mean. Was it, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's it, no. It wasn't me why you did it, but wasn't I enough yeah, to say I mean. yeah. I, 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 I I'd rather not do this ever again to, to be able to be with you and the family. Yeah. You know that, but no. But then again, you've got to go back to it. It's 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 that thing. It's that it's that addiction. Yeah, yeah. So you're dealing with someone who mentally isn't in a space where they can make that decision properly. Yeah. So it goes. It goes like back to, I thought. Yeah. So it goes back to that same thing. It goes back to that same question, the same questions, doesn't it? Even though that person in the first relationship, the person was young, and then you go back and think, oh well, we, you know, you know maybe they were old enough to make the decisions or whatever. Now it goes to the, back to this next person where they're old enough to make the decision, but they're not in the same headspace. Yeah. Same as same as the previous. Yeah. 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 So I've done that twice. I, I don't think I want to ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but. So I yeah, and that was that was you know that 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 was um, 2018. Yeah. 
And so I started on another self-discovery journey, learning about myself, getting to know me again. What am I? Who am I? You know, and we travel into 2019 and I start loving life and I'm so excited because now I'm the pain of the separation isn't as bad as yeah. it was in the beginning. And I'm and I'm getting out there and going out with friends and, you know, enjoying being out and then 2019 came along and I'm and I started meditating. That's when I learned medit I started meditation in 2018 to 2019. And it was just settling my mind and learning about being still and, and just, you know, being open to seeing how the universe unfolds before you. And I started looking into, um, and, and all the while I actually haven't mentioned here that I had at some point um, four years ago, I, I chose to, uh, to live, a, live a vegan lifestyle. Mm. And that had opened me up into, um, you know, empathetic and seeing the world through different lenses being you know every living being has a conscious a conscience and 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 a conscious awareness of what's going on and and throughout all that separation and, and you know and getting into the meditation after i had separated and really doing it was a practice i did daily religiously uh, sometimes at night as well just really being in, at, at peace with my decision of who I was and, 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 and life and what was happening. And um, then 2019 came around and my mother gets diagnosed with lung cancer yeah. in, in December of, of 2019. And it was just before Christmas and all of a sudden I'm faced with the fact that my mother may die because mm. here's this woman who has been strong who has been, you know, she's been the, the lioness of the family. She is, you know, she was, she's played soccer with the kids. She's still like, you know, she's young at heart and, and in her seventies, but was young at heart, is young at heart. And here I, I was, and my sister who was two and a half years younger than me, faced with our mother having lung cancer. And all I thought was, I'm gonna have to bury my mum. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this triggers off the anxiety that's come back again because I'm now dealing with life and death and and my two children are going to be left without a grandmother and, you know, my sister who was has young, four young children and it was just another thing that took me back to a place where I was not, I didn't feel safe. Yeah, yeah. What did, what did anxiety look like? Because for everyone, for everybody, I mean, mm. It's, they call them triggers, don't they? Triggers. Something will trigger your anxiety or trigger um, a panic attack. And your trigger is is maybe something bad happening or this. You, the, the it's the survival. Yeah, it's survival. survival. Yeah. What did that? What did anxiety? What does anxiety look like to you, or it did look like to you? What is, what can, now, if I, you can kind of describe? Is it sort of like tension? Yeah. And, so all of a sudden. I could be sitting at work at my, at my computer and all of a sudden the thought process would start because it's like a spiral, right? So I'm, I'm sick and then I'm like, okay, so now she's got to have a partial lung removal, so this surgery and I'm there and, and I'm picturing the surgery and then all of a sudden in my mind, the doctor comes out and says there was a complication and something's yeah. happened and mum's not made it and 
then I go, I, I, I would then go, oh, now I've got to tell the kids. And then I'd have to tell the kids. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in this situation where we're planning a funeral. And, and, and it would spiral to the point where I would be, I couldn't breathe. Mm. So my chest would clam up. I would start sweating and I couldn't breathe. And I just couldn't catch my breath. And, 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 and that it would, my whole body would go into this shutdown mode where I was gasping for air. And then I'll never forget once I got uh, an anxiety the anxiety was so bad that I couldn't catch my breath mm. to the point where I, I was home and I ran into my bathroom, turned the shower on and threw myself in there fully clothed mm. with cold water because I knew it would just bring me out of whatever it was. And then that was, the anxiety would just manifest in that way. Mm. And then it was just that that whole breathing and clamming of the chest and I yeah. can't swallow and and then, and then I can't swallow, so then I'm scared that I'm going to die. Like and a, it was like just a, crazy. Feeling, would you do, was it feeling like a lump there or like a... Yes, like, physical. Like, like physical, physical, yeah, physical lump there. A physical lump that every time I swallowed, I could feel it in my throat. And I would get dizzy. And I would get dizzy and then I would get dizzy and then I'd get hot and I'd, I'd start blacking out. It was all physically manifesting because my thought process was just my imagination just goes wild yeah. and, and I, I couldn't I couldn't distinguish what was really happening with what I was thinking was happening and my body just reacted as if it was happening so yeah so that started when mum got diagnosed again and um, me having the older children meant that I was going to be the main the main yeah. person to get mum to and from chemo treatments and to and from and that was um, the anxiety attacks came so frequently that one night back in July, I think it was July of last year. Uh, yeah, back in July of last year, that I for the I didn't I wasn't suicidal, so I'm not I'm not I wasn't suicidal. But back at the beginning of July, it was around the first of July of last year, I had the first understanding. I understood why people ended life yeah. because things just got so hard, and I and I was thinking, is am I, is this how my life will be now for forever and a day? Is is the because I was so used to having five or six or seven panic attacks per day, walking myself from the computer to the toilet at work, silently having this panic attack in a cubicle, then walking back out when I was semi okay to walk back out again, and so and then. You know, so that was that. And then back in July, and we, then we had COVID. So we had forgotten about COVID. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then I've got my mother who's unwell, who I've got to try and keep alive because there's this virus out there and I'm taking her to and from hospitals. And all of a sudden I'm like, my mum, I'm trying to keep her away from everybody because otherwise she would get sick. And yeah, yeah. so it just became this whole thing that come July last year, it was so dark that I, I scared my, my thoughts scared me because I was actually thinking, am I going to live like this? I'm 43 years old and, and is this what it's going to be until the day I die now? Mm. Like, I just don't want to live like this anymore. And I understood why people just go to sleep and don't wake up again. Yeah. And that, that thought scared me. So I rang my sister and I said, I don't think I'll ever be happy again. And she was like, you know, trying to work talk me through this 
whole thing because we were both going through it. Um, and she said, no, no, you just need someone to take care of you now because you've been doing this for everybody. You just need someone. So that was that was the beginning. I think it was, the, I'm going to say the 1st of July because I, I know that on the 5th of July, it was a full moon. On the 5th of July last year, it was a full moon. And it was the first time I thought, you know what? I'm doing a full moon ceremony. I'm going to get out there under the moon and I'm going to meditate under the moon and I'm going to set my intentions and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this is it. it. Like, if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. And it was just like, I had done that. I journaled, I burnt paper. I Googled how you do a full moon ceremony because he's Cindy yeah, not yeah. knowing how to do one. And um, so I did, I did what, I had all my crystals and I had put them in water and I had my moon water and I was, I had become this crazy hippie thing under the moonlight and um, did my full moon ceremony, went to bed, woke up again the next morning and have never felt like that again. So I don't know what it was that happened that day. I don't know what it was that happened that night. I don't know what it was, but that was it. It ended that day. Like it just stopped. I mean, every full moon, I will do a full moon ceremony now because I'm not going to stuff around with this. I'm just like, yeah, it yeah. worked and it's going to have to work forever and a day now because, yeah. yeah. Um, you and it was a, just a beautiful you, thing. I'll tell you what you did. You sent a thing to the world. You sent a message. That's what I sent about words. You sent... You mm. sent... Um, a message of whatever it may be whatever you sent um, I mean you sent it out there so well you didn't keep it in yeah you didn't keep it in you you, you didn't keep it in you wasn't you you let it go and by letting that lump go letting all the ang- that pent up emotion go to the world um, it, it gave you a change I started realizing that just living in that kind of flow state yeah. is a great place to be. Yeah. Now, I, now I go in and out of it because I'm not one of those lucky people that can just constantly be in a flow state. Mm. But I go in and out, and in and out, and in and out. But it is a beautiful place to be. And and I say, and I always say back to that day. And it happened. I'll never forget because it was also my sister's birthday that day. Yeah. And we did the we did it together. We did it we did the ceremony together because we were both in a place where we just thought this it can't be like this forever. This is not life. This is not living. Mum was still going through treatments. She had radiation at that stage, I think. And um, yeah, and, and and it was just something that 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 happened. And the energies shifted in me, around me, and I just saw things differently. So since that day. It's just been this beautiful evolution of understanding the the fact that I am me, I am part of this amazing universe, but I'm also the universe. And it's just this whole, there's an ecosystem within me, within the world. And, 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 I, and when, when I start realizing it, and I think this is just beautiful mm. and nothing that can happen can affect this because if we're in this and you know that life has a cycle and people come and we're, we're, like you said before, I think before we started filming, we're all going to die, right? So life is it's not, it's not eternal. This body is not going to be around in a hundred years time. Mm. 
but whether or not your soul is and whether or not whatever happens in this whole universe and how life and, and how we've come to be I don't know what happens but all I know is that if I'm worrying now about what the hell's going to happen I'm just living in this constant state of panic and I never want to do that again yeah so I'm just not I, I'm not doing it like at, at, there is no negotiation on that anymore so yeah, you. Yeah, you was almost. Yeah, you almost. You was almost living in a in a negative way, a self fulfilling prophecy. You was almost almost prophesizing things that might happen in the future. This is gonna happen, and then we all do it. <laughs> we all do it. Believe me. Yeah. Yeah, we do it. Um, and one thing, and then it leads to another, and then this might happen, and this might happen, and and it's always going towards what the end result would be would would be whether it be um um death or whether it be i don't know i don't know the self-fulfilling prophecy of a of a um, tv falling off the cabinet we're going to do this we're going to fall over and this is going to knock this then the tv falls over it's those things and quite often those things aren't going to happen quite often we live in our life we're 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 always constantly worried and, and thinking about what might happen and it, we do, and like you say, you do go back to that because like some people, some people can just live in the moment and just keep going, and and you know sometimes I've, I've had friends. But, that but have, we all should be, but but we all should be consciously aware that that's where we should be living. Yes. Because how awesome is it? Like I'm here doing this podcast with you. Had I had I worried about, oh, but what if what I say is stupid, or what if I start crying and this person's like what the hell is going on if i hadn't worried about all this i would have just gone i oh, know i can't do it sorry i'm out yeah, yeah. and then let's just go with it i'm, I'm going with, i don't know what will happen from this conversation but yeah. whatever happens will be exactly what's supposed to happen for the next thing right yeah, yeah. and whatever that next thing is is whether someone hears your podcast and then says to you god that girl that you had on described exactly what i'm feeling and you know I'm gonna try meditation um, yeah. or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna it's go just I'm gonna, gonna go be. Out to the full moon. <laughs> what was that? I'm, but whatever you were saying, that the person. I'm gonna go dance under the full moon. Dance under the full <laughs> yeah, moon. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny enough. You know, funny enough when you said that just before you said go, go and dance in the full moon. Um, I almost said um, you said something. You said, "Oh, I was gonna. Go, I went out into the full." You said something, and I was gonna. I was gonna put in and say um, to be a werewolf. I was going to be a werewolf because uh, werewolves actually—you actually picture them where there's a form. They always seem to have this mystical howling, thing with the, yeah, howling at the moon, howling at the moon. So I was almost said that to you. Obviously, I want—I want you to go in your flow, in your flow. Um, in my flow. <laughs> so, what for you then? You've come out of this now, and this—you know—you're you, in a better place. What's 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 your life look like now? Well, it's pretty amazing. I am, I'm, I'm, my life is, so I work in a real estate, I work for a real estate agency at the moment yeah. and, and here in Australia, my title is um, strata manager. So I manage um, complexes for the, the body corporates, for, for owners who own apartments and, and the job that I do, I never really, really introduce myself as saying, oh, hi, I'm Cindy and I'm a strata manager. That's, what, that's my job. It's not who I am. It's not my dream job. It is what it is, and and it's. I work for a great company, um, and I I'm happy 
that I've got a great job in the sense that it's not a job where I'm in an office and I hate being there and I can't wait to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a job that is spiritually fulfilling. And, and me being in this position where I sit there and I go, gosh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I could just jump on a jump in a van and just travel the country and and I, I met I met a lady on Clubhouse who is living my dream life and she said to me you you can do it too and I'm like well here I can but no no I just couldn't like so this beautiful soul jumps in a van with no idea of where she's going and she's just traveling around the, the, the America and she's everywhere she goes she finds herself in a place where she can help somebody hmm. she doesn't look for she doesn't look to help people yeah, yeah, yeah. she just finds that she follows the flow and ends up exactly where someone needs help and it's just incredible because i always sit there going not so much that helping that part of what she's doing but the whole traveling the country um I've recently gotten my certificate one in Reiki healing because I really have loved that modality. I think it's really, really um, beneficial for people, especially in the world that we're living in and, and the high stress and what we do to our own bodies. That whole energy healing side of things is so calming that people need it more than ever now, I believe, than anything else. So. Yeah. Like, I just see you going, you know, wouldn't it be great to jump in my van and I could just drive around and just, you know, practice on people and and, and meet people and do all this. That would be beautiful. That would be ideal for me, you know. I I, I want to, you know, I want to meet and join with people in community. I want to, I want to do retreats. And I'm meeting so many people that we've got all these beautiful gifts that we have, like, you know, I've met people who do beautiful chanting and me with my Reiki healing and, you know, someone with sound therapy. Like, I, look at this. I met a sound healer. I met a sound healer uh, on, on Clubhouse. My life has been Clubhouse for a while now because of COVID. But she introduced me to sound healing when I never knew it existed. So I've picked that up and I've gone, This is I want to do this as well. And so I just picture... Whatever the future holds for me, once you know these borders open and people can travel and meet and congregate again, is holding that space for people to come in and have these transformations. Because that happened for me in one night when I chose to release to the universe that I just didn't want to live like that anymore. And people live in that state day in, day out, and don't realize that there's a way out. And I think that, you know, wherever that leads me, it's more spiritual for me. When people say, who are you? I'm a mother. First and foremost, I am Cindy from Sydney, a mother of two. I have a bonus baby because she's 16 now and she's, you know, she's incredible as well. And, you know, and then I go on to say, you know, I'm a Reiki healer. I love my meditation. I make candles. I make bracelets. I That's me. I never go on a strata manager because that's not me. And that's that's something I do. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't define me. You know, people go, oh, hi, I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a doctor, you know. Yeah. It's no, there's more than that, you know. That's your job. But who are you underneath that? Yeah. But, um. Yeah, so whatever happens moving forward, it's exciting for me because everything's new now. Everything's new. Not only do we live in a new world because of COVID, you know, the, the fact that we're connecting with people on platforms like 
Clubhouse because I've been on Facebook forever. I've been on Instagram forever. I love photography because I post a lot of photos. I love affirmations. So Instagram was beautiful for me. I love Facebook because my family who all live in South America, we get to go to Facebook and see where we're at with photos of what happened on the weekends and things like that. You know, but then there's this Clubhouse now. And Clubhouse to me, I think is a platform like no other. Today, it's audio only. You meet people on, on a level where it's just conversation and there's an authenticity in conversation when you're in certain platforms like that you know and people get to contribute or people don't need to contribute and I've met incredible people I've actually met people in Australia who are on Clubhouse so I've met I've met my first few like I met my first person from Clubhouse and she's came over from Western Australia and it was really good and so I can't wait to get out and meet more people you know yeah and what's and do you practice before we kind of bring this to a close as well because it's been it's been brilliant listening to you and fascinating listening to you do you have you have you got plans to practice any, on anyone in the in the, or do you in the immediate future you know the reiki or yeah well i've already practiced on people so i've only got certificate one at the moment which technically um with with my reiki master who i um did my certificate one with yeah She's been my she's been my Reiki healer and my practitioner for I've known her for years. Right. And when she explained it to me, she said, you know, with certificate one, you know, it's you, you, you're pretty much learning. So I can do self healing, right? So I'm, pract- I'm practicing self healing, and 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 I had committed to my first 21 days of daily self healing once I once I was received my certificate, and then you can practice on your friends and family as well because that you know you can get out there and start doing it i mean i suppose if i wanted to now i could put an ad in the paper or a a website and and do it but she really did explain it that there's there's so much more there's (laughs) there's so much more there's so much more to learn yeah Yeah, i know i will be doing it but there's so much more to learn in certificate two and that's where she said once you've done that that's when you'll be able to go out and do that because you'll be able to do it yeah so my certificate two is booked for july 25 so i'm doing it i've booked it in it's we're getting it done and and from there that's where that journey will that that journey will start branching off you know and then that there's something there and i can't wait to see what it is yeah and apart and apart from this then what What's your life look like? What do you what what sort of things do you do? Do you go for walks? Do you do you know what do you read books? You, you said you, I did just mention painting or something, but you know, what sort of things do you do? That makes so you that makes I, you that person. What what makes Cindy? What makes you? So I apart from the fact that I love painting, I love making candles, I love making jewelry, and I make them. I I I, I love art therapy, so I love the whole coloring in. Where are we? Um, yeah, I love the whole colouring in. I've got one. I was going to show you, but I don't know where it is. Oh, here it is. So I, um, where is it? I spend hours and hours oh, and yeah. hours just doing all these. I find it really therapeutic. Yeah. So I do spend a lot of time doing like you know adult colouring in books. I go for walks. I take the dog out for a walk because my son has a dog. Dog. I also do kickboxing. I love kickboxing. So I'm, I, I, I do it. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's great frustration release because it's fantastic to do that. And um, I've never been into yoga, 
but not for any other reason than I, I'm more of a physical, that whole yeah, yeah. combination, mental, learning to move the bodies. Kickboxing is my ultimate favourite sport. I've done karate, I've done kickboxing years ago with a, another trainer, but now when I do it, being an older, I'm being older because I'm 44 now, I've got to be careful. I'm not in my 20s anymore no, no, no. and there's certain things that just don't move the way they used to. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to go do a kick to someone's head now because I'll probably be out for a week, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, so, uh, and I really do enjoy that. So I love that kind of stuff. I love listening to podcasts. Um, I love doing meditation. I think that in schools would be, should be compulsory don't it's not compulsory to do english and maths only it's compulsory to do mental health right yeah so it's just one of these things that people just need to un the, the meditation is the key for me it's it helped me tap into the side of me and a side of the universe around me that i i've never been able to get anywhere else so i think that that's just yeah so that pretty much makes me i am i i am um yeah, I've got my kids and my kids are my life. Uh, my daughter's married now and she's moved out of home. But um, yeah, I'm a mum. Yeah, that every all that makes me yeah. and, and everything I've gone through. People go, oh my god, poor you, you know, like poor you that your marriage ended. No, all that made me who is me now. Because had I, if my my ex husband met me now, he wouldn't even know who I was as a person because what's happened in these last three years I'm a completely different person so that's the beauty of it and that would never have happened had I not had to make that decision yeah. so perfect it's exactly it happened exactly how it was supposed to I got to experience something that I never thought was possible but then whatever happened after it was just even more perfect so yeah and then whatever happens tomorrow i'm just learning to, to live in that kind of flow state i've met an incredible person on clubhouse by the name of frame but he always talks about being in flow and it's crazy because i wish i could do that 24 7 and it's so hard at the moment because i always catch myself going oh you're thinking too much yeah, about yeah. things again yeah but that's it. That's where, and that's the beauty of everything unfolding because it, it goes exactly how it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. And we're not in control. Yeah, definitely. And what would you say to somebody that may be struggling with anxiety um, and going through and going through life's um, nuances, as we call them? What would you say? A couple, of, a line, a couple of lines. Yeah. Um. You're not alone. The help is out there. Get it. And don't be ashamed. There's nothing wrong with what you're feeling. We live in a world with so much, there's so many, so much sensory overload in every, everywhere we go, whether it be the shopping center with the bright colors and the slogans and the taste testing. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, everything's being thrown at you good, bad, and indifferent. So some people just don't deal well with it. And if you're in that time in your life where you can't get the help, talk about it. I just hate the fact that there are so many people out there that have ended their lives thinking that there was no way out other than doing that. And it's just crazy because with anxiety, 
with panic attacks, with that kind of depression, because I think I was, I would have been depressed as well, you know, like that, that level of darkness, you know, the fact that you're so deep that you can't see the beauty around you and the possibility, that that help, you've got to get the help and, and then just reach out. People are there to help you. Hopefully you've got family and if you don't, there are resources and, and yeah, nothing is worth ending your life no matter what yeah. and if anybody was to to you know to to contact you or say hello or where can you be found i am on instagram um my instagram handle is soulful hippie so it's i think it's soulful underscore hippie underscore something like that soulful hippie. Uh, cindy casanova if you just type cindy with an s and casanova it, it will pop up um, Instagram, I'm on Clubhouse, I'm on Facebook, but Facebook's more private. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it for me for now. But as things unfold, I will be found in many other places with many other links because, yeah, there's there's something there, something's happening and, and I'm excited to yeah. see what happens next. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much and it for now. And something definitely will unfold. So, you know, I'd like to say thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's been, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and yeah, hope, hope all is well in Australia. Of course it will be. And that was Men Are Nuts. Speak to you soon.